is, guess what? Jesus. Um, Would you pray with me before we begin? Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for uh, this chance to gather together in your name to uh, learn more about what you would have uh, us do uh, for you, Jesus, uh, because of what you've done for us. We just thank you so much uh, for the sacrifice that you've made for us all. Bless this time now, God, speak through me, uh, and let you uh, uh, make it your glory and not mine. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, those of you who don't know me, my name is Eddie Griffith. I've uh, been here at first for a number of years now. Uh, this is my second time on the stage. Um, it must not have been very good because the last time was about a year ago. Um, <laughs> Um, I need everybody to take out their notes from last year because we're picking up where I left off. Um, Tonight, I want to talk about a meaningful mentorship, a meaningful mentorship. Uh, I believe that the ability to disciple someone is is not a a spiritual gift in the sense that we talk about biblically. Uh, That means that everybody should be doing it. Uh, If you're a believer of God and you believe in his redemptive plan, uh, you study his word regularly, then you're his disciple. And if we're his disciple, we're called to disciple others. And, and I think we do uh, do that. I just don't think we're doing all that we can. If we'll look at uh, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The two words there I uh, uh, want to focus on are go and teach. Now, these are action words. Um, last year, I spoke about preparing ourselves to fulfill this commission. And I want to take it a little step further this, this, this time and uh, focus on what we've, we've learned over the last year. Uh, on Wednesday nights especially, we've talked uh, about a few things. One, we've talked about how to share our testimony and how, um, how easy it is, how uh, sometimes we don't do it because we have this fear of, of talking to people and, and opening up. Uh, We've practiced it, I hope. Uh, most recently, we've studied about theology, Theology for Life, uh, on Wednesday night series. I don't think we're quite done with that, uh, in fact. Uh, and as a church, we should be studying these truths to do one thing, and that's to share them with someone else. Go and teach. Uh, if you're not approaching these sermons uh, and, and these studies with the idea that they should lead you to action, that I highly encourage you to go back and, and, and look and review Notes are available online on our uh, uh, first app. You can go in the office and ask for uh, notes, but don't tell Miss Kitty I said that. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't send you. Uh, we should be approaching God's word with the idea that something is expected of us uh, in return. And, and again, I think that most of us are doing a pretty good job um, uh, relating to other people. But I think we fall into one of three categories. I think we fall into uh, this idea of consulting. Uh, we're either consulting, we're either mentoring, or we're discipling. Uh, this is really a, a good, better, best stair step. Consulting's not bad, but it, it's, it's, it's lacking. Uh, so to define consulting so we can d- discuss it further, uh, it is a business of giving expert advice to other professionals, typically in a financial or business matters. Uh, mentoring is defined as a relationship in which uh, a more experienced or more knowledgeable person uh, guides a less experienced or less knowledgeable person. Uh, A discipleship takes us a little step further, and it's 
means to instruct, to train, uh, and it's a relationship that, that helps someone progressively uh, learn and apply the Word of God. Uh, the problem, I think, with us is that we, we don't feel like we're worthy to be disciples. Uh, we're not worthy to disciple someone else. Uh, and if we, if we are really truthful, we may not be willing to mentor someone else because of the same beliefs, the same uh, uh, scare tactic that we put in our own brains. Um, so a lot of times we get stuck in this consulting role. Consulting is impersonal. It involves a, a quick solution. It's more of a Band-Aid for a quick problem. It's not relational. Uh, can it have a lasting effect? Some of them can, yes. Um, but it's mostly self-serving. A consulting role uh, seeks to do really one thing. It is to benefit the consulter more than it is the consultee. And that reminds me of a, a joke. A shepherd was herding his sheep. He's going across a road. The man had to stop and wait. So he gets out, and he's making small talk with the shepherd. And he said, hey, look, um, if I can guess how many sheep you have, will you give me one? Anyone I want. Shepherd said, sure, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do that. Guy goes back to his truck, and he's got his laptop out, and he uses Google Earth, and, and he does some searching. And, and he comes back and says, you have 354 sheep. Shepherd said, you, you are correct, and I stand by my word. I take any one you want. Your pick. So he grabbed one, and he's walking back to his truck. Shepherd says, hey, uh, brother, let me, uh, let me stop you for a second. He says, if I can guess your occupation, will you give me back what you took? The guy said, yeah, I, I think that's, that's fair. The shepherd said, you, my friend, are a consultant. He said, my goodness, how did you know that? He said, well, first you showed up when you were uninvited. <laughs> Second, you gave me the answer to a question I already knew the answer to. And uh, third, you don't know anything about my business because that is my dog. <laughs> and I don't, if anybody in here is a consultant, I'm sorry. You're my hero. I want to be a consultant when I grow up. Uh, it's not a bad profession, but when we're talking about uh, our relationship with each other, uh, it, it's not the, uh, the perfect model. Uh, it's not the perfect model to lead others to Christ. It's not the best approach. Most of us are stuck I think, in this mentoring role. I think we, we realize that. Um, uh, I think we do get stuck in this mentoring role. Again, this is a good, better, best, so mentoring is not bad. Um, it's just not the pinnacle of what God's purpose for us in, in relationships is. Uh, discipleship is going to be that uh, what God expects of us. And to talk about mentoring, you're mentoring someone right now, whether you realize it or not. Uh, you have someone watching what you do, and they're molding uh, their behavior. They're examining what you do and molding themselves uh, or one aspect of their own personality based on what they like about what you do. If you don't believe me, we don't have to look any further than our kids. Uh, our kids mimic us sometimes embarrassingly, and sometimes uh, uh, it wells our heart full of pride. Um, we can further this natural education by talking with them and explaining why we do certain things. So here's an example. My son watches me whittle a stick. For those of you who don't know, whittling is taking a knife and stripping the bark off a stick. It's what everyone used to do before the Internet was invented. So my son or anyone can watch me whittle for a couple of minutes, and they can go off and get their own stick and, and whittle. Easy peasy, right? No problem. Uh, but in this... Uh, in this example, to further his education, I can teach him while I'm 
doing this action. I can say, son, I don't move the knife towards my body. I have the experience to know that I can cut myself or stab myself with this knife. So I'm passing something on to him. Uh, This is dangerous because I may cut myself. Now, without a proper mentor, humans try to figure things out on their own, and things like this happen. We had a picture of a gentleman here that needs some mentoring. See, that's not right, right? Now, because others are watching us, we need to consider a couple of questions here. Number one, are we setting a good example? Um, If someone is modeling themselves after a particular part of my life, why am I not being intentional in my mentorship? Why am I not uh, seeking them out? Why don't I take that next step to discipleship? Again, mentoring is not a bad thing. I think we just need to set our... Uh, sites higher, but before we start into discipleship, we're going to look at some things that the uh, secular world uh, says about mentorship. And, and I believe that these principles can coexist uh, with our, our values. Uh, an article written by Anthony Tuan in Harvard Business Review 2017 has principles of great mentorship. Uh, number one, he says, put the relationship before the mentorship. Be authentic. See, there's no blueprint in our relationship with someone else. Uh, There's not always uh, the chance to place a square block in a square hole or a circular block in a circle hole. Life is very messy, and there's no singular way to move your student from point A to point B. In fact, there's no discernible finish line in life. We don't know how much longer we have. So authenticity is the difference between, between being a mentor and a consultant. And let me tell you, people know the difference. So when we're in this relationship with someone, they, they know when we're not being authentic with them. Uh, secondly, he says that we should focus on character rather than competency. Now, this is not an acquisition of skills that I'm trying to teach someone. I, I, at work, I can tell them, you need to do this, this, and this to get this specific task completed. That's not what, what mentorship should be. This is a relationship. It's meant to shape others' character their values, self-awareness, empathy, and capacity for respect. And thirdly, he says, shout loudly with your optimism and keep quiet with your cynicism. I think those apply to us. I think those are, are great qualities to, uh, to, to pass on. Uh, and I found another uh, list. These are eight qualities that a good mentor Uh, This is given out by the Big Brothers and Big Sisters of America organization. There are great mentor programs out here. Uh, Number one uh, says be available. Uh, Be available to be a part of someone's life. Uh, Be inquisitive and curious. Don't have a one-sided conversation with others to where uh, they can't tell you what their problems are. You don't learn. You don't grow uh, together if, if, if you don't ask questions. Be compassionate. Number four is be reliable. Be empathetic. Be honest and genuine. Be self-reflective, and you need to be the mentor that you needed when you were young. So again, we're stair-stepping. Let's review. Consulting, impersonal, quick solution, Band-Aid, can have lasting effects, maybe not. Relationships really one-sided. Mentoring is personal. It is meant to and can have lasting impact. It builds on the quality characteristics. Uh, uh, we've just listed plenty of them that I, I think are, uh, we can all agree are, uh, are worthy. But discipleship is this meaningful mentorship that that I've talked about. Discipleship 
does have a, a lasting effect. And it has a lasting effect in a way that the other two steps don't. What is the one thing that discipleship has that consulting and mentor don't have? They like Jesus. That's it. And we make a big deal of it, and we, we think it's too hard, and we, we avoid it, and we're, we're scared to jump in both feet first. But discipleship is relational also, but it has an eternal impact. It is one of the most important things we can do, we can pass on to others. It builds upon these quality characteristics uh, that we just discussed. It creates holiness. Discipleship should never be self-serving. And listen to this, I submit to you that it will positively impact both parties if the focus is Jesus. The process from the time that we're saved to the time that we die is called sanctification. It's a process by which we ever sink to inch towards holiness. And we can only truly become holy in our bodily death where we'll be judged and found pure only through the blood shed by Christ. And there it is. That's how simple it is to pass this message along. So we should ask, what are some of the qualities that God looks for in a disciple? We're going to get to that. Benjamin Franklin said, tell me and I forget, teach me and I may remember, but involve me and I learn. Discipling should be relational. It should involve the, both parties. Uh, it's not just words of wisdom or sermons or teachings from parables. We see this example is set by Jesus, our Savior. The disciples followed Jesus. They lived with Jesus. They learned from Jesus because they were involved in his ministry. It wasn't just sitting down and, and listening to what Jesus had to say. It was being involved in his life. The greatest way he taught was to simply live life in front of them and with them. From Christ being the example, the disciples learned uh, from and they imitated Christ. Then they went out and they taught others, who in turn taught others, who in turn taught others, who in turn taught others, and here I am, taught from someone as well. Paul used this model in uh, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This doesn't just stop with you and I. This continues on, and it, it won't if we don't have this discipleship relationship with, with, with others in our lives. Now, Christ could have revealed himself in any number of ways, but this is the method he chose to, to teach this method does not just add others to the kingdom of God. It multiplies it. Paul also learned and imitated Christ. And, and as we know, he wrote most of the letters that make up our New Testament. And, and another letter where the main body of our text, uh, our study this evening, uh, he wrote to one of his disciples, Titus. We'll be in Titus chapter 2. And he's instructing Titus on how to move from being a disciple to a discipler. Let's look first at the characteristics of who we would want to be mentored by. I think that's a, a best approach. Uh, verse 1 in chapter 2 says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. So if I'm looking for characteristics in a teacher, 
this is a great place to start. Number one, it's not in our text, but I think that the uh, starting point for any endeavor in Christ is through prayer. Meaningful, on our knees prayer, asking God to show us uh, uh, who he would have, uh, who, who he would appoint for us in our lives and who we can be appointed to, to be a part of someone else's life. Look at this first sentence here. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. If I'm looking for somebody to teach me, I certainly want someone who will tell me the truth. Sound doctrine means healthy doctrine. Healthy doctrine is the truth. I don't want someone to disciple me who believes that there are multiple ways of salvation, and you shouldn't either. I want and I need someone who in all things will be honest with me, even when it hurts. I like 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 also. Simple, short verse. I think this would be an easier verse for us to remember on Wednesday nights. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This is the type of person that I should be looking for to, to, to disciple me. And this is the type of person that I should want to become so I can disciple someone else. Let's look at these characteristics in verse 2. Sober-minded. To be temperate, to be sober, literally to be sober, uh, or to be vigilant or guarding your heart for the things of truth and faith. Self-controlled means to be sensible, to be discreet, sound judgment. We want someone to be discreet with our secrets. We need someone that we can confide in, that we can trust. Dignified means serious, honorable. It's one who appreciates the gravity of the matter. And my friends... Trusting in Christ as your Savior is as deep as it gets. I mean, it, that, that, it doesn't get any more grave than that. Endurance is the uh, word used in the New International Version for steadfastness. I like endurance a lot. Uh, it means uh, to be patient. It's perseverance. And in parentheses, it, perseverance that comes through experience. Let's move on to verse 3. In Titus chapter 2, it says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. Next one, thank you. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, so that the word of God may not be reviled. If we go back to, uh, to verse 3. This word reverent here is to have a godly fear. It's to take hold of what God calls good. And I love this. It's holy caution. H-O-L-Y, holy. Slanderers. Gossips. The Greek word for slanderers is where we get our word diabolical. It's to defame or use false and malicious statements. Be sober-minded. We just discussed that. And why? So that the word of God may not be reviled. This Greek word is where we get the word blaspheme. We need these characteristics so that we're not reviling the word of God in our word, in our deeds. All right, so how do I teach a disciple? Again, these are things that I should look for uh, and, and I should strive to be so that one day I can disciple someone. I'm confident again that the beginning to the answer of this question is in prayer. We're going to look in Titus 2, verses 6 through 8. It says, Likewise, urge the 
younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame. Two words here, they're action words that jump off the page to me or urge and model. We are to urge those that we disciple. And urge means to implore or beg them to behave in a manner that is pleasing to God, is pleasing to others, so others can learn. And we're model good works. This word model means to a pattern or an imprint. It's as an exact replica made from a dye. This word is also found somewhere else in the, uh, in the Bible. It's found in John 20, verse 25. And this is where Thomas is being told that Jesus is alive. He has risen from the grave. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I'll never believe. This mark he was talking about was the exact impression or the imprint that the nails made in Christ's hand. That word, this model, this imprint, it leaves no room for error as to uh, what made the marks. And in that same way, I want there to be no mistake as to what makes an imprint on my life. When others see my behavior, I want them to immediately say, yep, he's got Jesus. That's the type of model we should be for each other. And I don't know where everybody is tonight. I don't know how well you're doing in this. I hope that there's, you've got more people than you know what to do with uh, that, that, that need you to disciple them. Uh, we need to go out and seek someone to disciple us. I don't think that it, people don't just fall in our laps. Again, I think it should start with prayer. And I believe that, that when we're truly seeking uh, God's will in our lives, that he'll present us with someone who can lead us through life, who can be an example, who can be our model, and in turn mold us to do it again and again and again and pass this on. That's my challenge for us this evening. If you're not discipling someone, don't get stuck first in the consulting or the mentoring role. Again, those aren't bad, but they lack Jesus. And that needs to be the sole and major focus of our relationship with each other. Um, But I challenge you to, to... Begin to pray if you don't have someone that God would present you with an opportunity to guide someone through their life. Someone needs you. I need someone. Someone needs me. I'd like to take this time to to if you need to come to the altar, pray. Uh, if you'd like to speak to a minister tonight about your salvation. I don't know where you are with that. There are plenty of us here that are willing to speak with you. I'd like us to close in a, a word of prayer just to, uh, again, encourage you to, uh, to seek God's will and point someone out that you can point in the right direction.
Father God, we just acknowledge who you are and in your greatness and in your wisdom you've shown us through your son that, that to learn how to live life, we have to live in front of each other. To model you, Jesus, for others so that others may know who you are and come to salvation through you and that you will be blessed. God, we, we come to you now with our, our fears and our worries about taking on and being responsible for someone else's life. Lord, we can't do it perfectly and we can't do it without you. Give us the boldness to take on a project of another life, God. We thank you for your son Christ who's died for our sins and that through him we may live with you in your kingdom forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to, no. If you'd like to come to the altar and pray, please come down. If you need to speak with someone uh, now or after the service, uh, we'll be down in front for a few moments, and uh, we'll be hanging around after the service. I thank y'all for your time and for your patience with me. In times like these.